When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. I am having a baby this year. I am very excited. This baby has shown me nothing but respect. I was an absolute gargoyle with Fred, and I don't regret that time. It's what needed to happen. My body is a tool for, you know, creating new people sometimes, looking hot and getting free drinks other times in the past, or just walking me down the street. You know what I mean? So like, Whatever my body needs to do to execute its ultimate purpose, I am fine with. My body image, somehow, somehow, despite my upbringing, no offense, mom, but you know, she's plagued, plagued by body issues stemming from being born in 1960 and being a fox. Um, Yeah, I don't have any. So, you know, it was cool that I was mega, mega what was I like 175 pounds with Fred? You do the math. I don't know what that is in stones. One boulder, Alex Edelman would say. Um, But this time I am much less than that, like 25 pounds less than that. And I just can still execute my daily activities with Fred. It's probably because of Fred that I'm pretty small, pretty fit, Uh, for my usual size because I'm squatting all the time to pick up all the shit that he throws around and he is a resistance weight when I got pregnant he was nine months old and he has steadily gotten bigger and heavier since then and I have to carry him around all the time I don't eat I don't sleep I mean that's the ticket I guess oh I don't drink alcohol no I wasn't drinking alcohol when I was pregnant with him either meh anyway Oh, but you know, when I was pregnant with him, I was eating just loads and I was on steroids. That is a given. If you're taking 25 milligrams of prednisone every day, then you are just gaining weight, water weight in your neck and face. Two uh, really convenient areas. But anyway, it's fine. I feel great. I'm very happy. I like I'm already sad that I'm not going to be pregnant soon because I love it. Like this is the best thing I've ever used my body for. I have to say, and it's not for everyone and it's not everyone's destiny and it's not everyone's wish. Um, And our quality of life (laughs) has suffered tremendously since we decided to have Fred, but also, you know, existentially it's improved. I am very, very lucky to have my family, but I'm already like, oh shit, I gotta get pregnant again straight away because it's like, what did I used to use my body for? Nothing, nothing wholesome. Um, which is how I got into this mess. But uh, I take myself out of the game, you know this, of NHS goings on. 
I just do. And there are people who have different opinions about that. They're like, no, Catherine, the more that you use private health care, the less, the fewer resources go to the NHS. That's not right to do. And it's like, look, if, if I don't have to queue, call me Holly and Phil, but if I don't have to queue for nine months for a fucking smear or scan or whatever, then I'm going to do that. I'm going to just go privately. Plus, to be very honest with you, the way my schedule works, if I made an appointment, I've had to cancel probably five appointments with my midwife and every production I'm on, they're like, we're committed to, uh, you know, making sure that Catherine gets a lot of breaks on set during her pregnancy. And I'm like, no, I don't need breaks. And I'm so grateful that productions are like, you know, growing up. There are more women who are the head of things. They're really prioritizing health and safety during pregnancies, which again is why a lot of insurance companies won't cover pregnancy because it's a bit of a ball ache for everyone to work around. But they're like, we'll give Catherine a longer break. And I say, no, I do not want a longer break that let's just get the day done as quick as we can. But what happens with me is sometimes dates move around for things or my wonderful agent Kitty will call me and go, oh, they want to do this on this day. And these are jobs that a lot of people are moving their schedules around for. And you are expected to also try to move your schedule around to make these things work. It's just, you know, teamwork. It's best for everyone. So because I don't have a predictable schedule at all, I miss midwife appointments. I have to ring up my private midwife and I say, hi, actually, I can't do the 18th. Can we move it? And she's always great about it because she is a private midwife and she has other clients fine but I was reading on my baby group chat of other women having babies in the same month as me that one of these ladies had to move her midwife appointment a couple times and the midwife at the NHS reported her to CPS like child protective services or the council for being like a bad mom who's not prioritizing her own health and the health of her baby. And then she was investigated by the council who were like, why are you not attending your midwife appointments, bitch? And she was like, well, I had to work. I got called into work. I tried to reschedule my midwife appointment. And I don't know how common this is, but apparently according to people in the group chat, if you do this twice, then they (laughs) will call CPS on you. Which, I mean, the NHS, look, whenever I rant about them, it is no disrespect to the NHS workers, the nurses, the doctors, the staff, the admin people, the people in accounts or whatever. Like, I know that you're doing your best. I am furious that you are not rewarded more for your work. But it feels like the system is so broken that it creates more work than you know, saving time and giving people appointments. Like, what are you doing calling Child Protective Services? Just like reschedule the appointment. Someone else would be dying to take that appointment. Anyway, so I can't use them because I would be canceling appointments all the time. And I know that that is a problem of, of its own. You know, you need to try to book your appointments and attend them, but I can't. So I have a private midwife who I love. She's delivered some of my friend's babies at home and she's cool. And I hope that all goes smoothly with mine. Um, I filled out a maternity exemption certificate, which is what you need in this country to get free NHS prescriptions while you are pregnant. Even though we have a nationalized healthcare system, prescriptions are not free. You pay a small fee though. So 
I take lupus medicine that usually costs like 40 pounds or 60 pounds. I can't remember depending on the dose, but on the NHS, it costs nine pounds. But if you're pregnant, it costs nothing. So in my pregnancy with Fred, I was getting these medicines from a private doctor. So I was paying the full like 40 pounds every time. And I wasn't collecting them from an NHS pharmacy. But that started to get really inconvenient because I'd have to refill the prescription and actually drive quite far and have a meeting with this doctor. So I got a local GP when Fred was born because Fred needed a GP and he needed immunizations and things. And you can't get baby immunizations from a private doctor. Not really. There's this one place called, what is it called? Baby jabs, I think. But that's, you know, it's just better to go to your GP for a baby. They're down the road, whatever, if you can get in there which to be honest with you, they were not helpful when Fred had eczema. But uh, <laughs> uh, so I said, I'll register at the GP too. And I said, oh, by the way, I have lupus and I need this monthly, you know, I have to take lupus medicine every day for the rest of my life. And so then I started getting it from my local pharmacy and that was way more convenient because the pharmacy is around the road. So lo and behold, I start get my prescriptions there and they're free, which is a bonus, but like, fine. I was happy to pay for them. I'm happy to get them for free. Thank you. I pay tax, like thanks NHS, whatever. Now I'm getting letters for fines. They're going, your pharmacist ticked that you have maternity exemption and we can't find it in our system. So you actually owe us not just the nine pounds that the prescription costs, but nine pounds with a 50 pound fee attached to it, like a fine. And I got this paper and I was like, what the actual fuck? Because it's easy for me probably to argue this fine if I can get through on the phone or email to anyone, which is the major challenge with the NHS. But if I can, I can go, well, I was double exempt because I had a baby under 12 months, which means your prescriptions are still free under maternity exemption. And I'm pregnant with a new baby. So like which maternity exemption certificate, birth certificate would you like to see? Like I'm double exempt. So you owe me a hundred pounds. No. Um, so I'm sure I can get that quashed, but to do that takes mental energy. It takes admin. Obviously I don't really care because I have 50 pounds to give them if they won't cancel the fee. And by the way, these letters are going to keep coming because it takes them so long to get around to stuff that I've only just got the first fee letter, which was from like May, 2022. And I've been getting my free prescriptions every month since then. But if I was, as many are, in a fucking financial crisis on some type of bread line, poverty line, let's say I'm just a normal mom who doesn't have 50 pounds to piss into the wind, I think that would stress me out. Let's say I'm a mom with small children who didn't fill out the maternity exemption certificate and the nice pharmacist who knows me from around the neighborhood just knows I'm pregnant, knows I have a baby, and ticked it off, well, then you get fined. And this would really stress the mom out. And she's now going to like find all this paperwork, try to get through to the NHS, worry that the fine, they're going to come collect the fine, or she's not going to be able to get an appointment with her GP until it's paid. I just think it's a ludicrous system. Like, what are you doing fining people? Oh, well, you didn't pay for your nine pound prescription. And we think that what you're up to is waddling into the pharmacy with a fake tummy to fake a pregnancy because you just can't get enough of your sweet, sweet lupus medication that you can't wait to steal from our broken health service. No one's doing that. 
No one's faking a pregnancy to get a hit of hydroxychloroquine. God damn. And so I got mad about this on Instagram and I had not many, but a few replies from people being like, what's your problem, Catherine? You have 50 pounds. That's never the point. Like I get mad because when things happen in my life, it's like, oh, that's crazy. But it's a window into the same thing happening to a more vulnerable person who, by the way, I used to be. And you know that I think the benefit system is broken in this country. I know this because the child maintenance system is tied in with the benefit system. So like family courts are separate from child support, basically. Child support goes in with your disability benefit with everything else. And you know I don't talk about my own situation because, you know, it's sensitive. But I have a friend who needed child maintenance and also felt that her child was deserving of both parents financially contributing to their life. So this friend of mine, gorgeous, by the way, talented, uh, just one of the most stunning uh, and intelligent people you've ever met in your life, young immigrant, she goes through this child maintenance system and they make it so, so laborious when they lose documents and they do this wrong and they can't do that and they don't have access to this. Like, it's just awful. And I think they want it to be like this. It's easier to sell it off. Annoying. All right. In happier news, my gorgeous child, Violet, 13 years old now, out on a lunch date with her girlfriends, by the way. I'm so jealous and also in awe of her. She has such a cool life. I've let them go into London today on the train to just have like a ladies lunch. She came to me this morning and she said, mom, Well, I'll tell you what she actually said is, who's the dumbest person in our family? And I was like, I don't know, probably Fred so far, because his brain is still growing. And she said, no, like of your sisters and your mom, because I want to do this prank, but I can't do it to you because you'll know it's a prank. So I need to do it to someone in the family who's like gullible enough to believe that my friend is cooking food for some charity thing. And then I want to send pictures of really awful food and see if they're gullible enough to, you know, believe it's really happening. And if they'll slag it off and like burn this food, or if they will be polite and say, oh, that looks good, honey. And so she's done it actually as voice notes on the family group chat, because we just couldn't figure out who's the most gullible. And I have yet to listen to these messages, but I know it's going to be good. So here's Violet's original pitch. Okay, so, number one, I was at my desk, just watching The Office, eating some pasta. Oh, wait, no, this is her spilling tea on something to do with the neighborhood. I can't play that. Oh, yeah, here we go. So, Anea is doing, like, a food charity thing. Then I'll send you some photos and you can decide if you like them, okay? So the first photo she sent is, like, a hideous dry piece of roast with a ice cream scoop of what looks to be mash covered in a soupy gravy. The first one looks good, roast beef and gravy. The second one looks kind of gross. And maybe for Abe, here's a vegan option that she does as well. So this is like a disgusting, crusty looking bun filled with white rice, but the type of white rice that just looks Ming Mong, like the microwave fluffy but too fluffy you know what i mean sometimes you go to a takeout place and they've got the worst rice imaginable and a few grilled peppers and chickpeas it just really looks bad 
Ooh, well, I can tell you Abe would have a problem with the white bread and the white rice. But, yeah. I mean, she also has cakes. Let me show you. So she's got some hideous cakes. I mean, the resolution on these pictures is kind of giving her away. I feel like even my family will know that this is a wind-up. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The cake looks good. I just figured it was uh, meant to be a Halloween presentation. I'd say Violet's prank is an absolute bust at this point because my mom's staying very neutral. She is the grandmother. She can't totally slate these cakes, but she's not going to lavish Violet with any undue praise and be like, they're amazing. They're great, Violet, because that's just not the kind of family that we have. And now Carrie has sent in a voice note. And I know that Carrie, you know, as someone's aunt, you don't have the same responsibilities as a grandmother. And Carrie can't lie. It is a disability. Violet, all of that food looks like absolute trash. And that burger with rice is disgusting. But I also know those cakes from TikTok where someone was like showing ugly cakes to her brother to pick out a cake for his birthday. And he was being really nice about it and picked a halt one. Um, So that's what I think you're doing. But they all look fucking sick. (laughs) Fun. Just a bit of wholesome family fun there. A good recommend for your teens this half term if they're looking for something to do. Text the family group chat some hideous pictures of food and see if they'll be honest with you or not. I think it's good to know where people stand. Now Violet knows that if she wants to know the truth about something, not to go to her grandmother because it's going to come in softball, go to Carrie. Carrie will tell you when something is good or when it's a piece of fucking shit, I believe she called it. All right. In the news, you know, the news that impacts us, which is non-news, but it's fun news. Yesterday, uh, social media was dominated by accusations against James Corden, Britain's sweetheart, gone to America, started the Late Late Show or took over the Late Late Show. He, like Ellen, is just a nicey-nice TV treasure singing, dancing friend to all the celebs. And I feel like here's the accusation. Basically, apparently the owner of Balthazar's, which is this big NYC restaurant, has banned James Corden uh, for mistreatment of his staff. So this one time he complained that there was a hair in something and he demanded that the drinks that they had should be free and then they should receive some more free drinks for the whole table. And then apparently another time his wife's food came out wrong and he sent it back and he came out wrong again and then he kicked off and was rude to the waiter or something. I find it very difficult when I hear allegations of celebrities acting improperly because anyone that I have met has always been very nice to me. James Corden has never been anything but kind and generous to me. And I think you get into a position sometimes, and this is why America is very dangerous, when you are beloved, like Ellen in her show, or James Corden, then like there's this cyclical nature of things where people just want to take you down. And I'm not saying that maybe he wasn't a dick to waitstaff, and I can't stand people who are dickish to waitstaff. You know that about me. I am waitstaff. But... You know, it just feels very weird to publicly come out as the owner of a restaurant and be like, this celebrity is banned for being rude to my waiter. There have been little ghost TikTok accounts where uh, wait staff have really spilled the tea on celebrities who've been unkind to them, but it's kind of a blind item 
type of thing. I mean, I don't know if you're even allowed to come right out and say, here's the person's name. They have been an asshole to our weight. It sounds libelous to me. Sounds like if I was the owner of a restaurant, why would I even want that press? And secondly, like you could get in trouble unless you can definitely prove it. I don't know. It just seems weird. But don't worry, that'll be out of the news in a couple of days, James Corden, if you are concerned about it. And I think he's trying to lay low anyway. So all I can say about that is he's only ever been nice to me. But I'm I'm not, you know, I don't know what, what life would be like for me if I was a production assistant or a runner or if I was background on something. I would love to do one of those shows. Not that I'm like Celine Dion or anything, but everyone's nice to me. But it would be really good to go undercover and be like, hmm, let's see who is really nice. I should pitch that as a show. I don't know if it should be me if I'm the best person for that show. And I also don't know. We can't really have shows like Punked anymore. I think there has to be such a level of consent. I mean, you simply can't prank anybody anymore. Violet's little prank was fun, but... You are absolutely not allowed to just drag unsuspecting real-life people on camera and film them without their consent or trick them in some way. There is a show, actually. It's on Now TV right now. Uh, I was waiting for it to come to the UK because I'd read that it was very controversial when it was out in America. It's by Nathan Fielder, who's this Canadian comedian that I think I crossed paths with a few times. And then he moved to LA and he started Nathan for You on Comedy Central, which is a really funny show, I believe. But there's this one, this new one. Hmm, I forget the name. I've Googled it. Don't panic. It's called The Rehearsal. And he basically controls people's lives. And the reviews on it are very mixed. Some people feel like it's too far. It is the next thing that I want to watch with Bobby because, of course, he and I do not watch the Serial Killer channel. Um, so that leaves us with a lot of the most popular series right now off the table. And the rehearsal, I think, is a mix of genius and surprise, but also raises some real questions about, you know, what you can actually do to people. How much is too much when it comes to manipulating them? But I do miss Punked. I felt like that was a fun prank show. And it would be great for someone British to go undercover as different characters, maybe a makeup artist or whomever, maybe a crew member, and somehow get in and see if these really famous people are nice. Like Punked. What's a softer version of Punked? Guys, don't worry. I'll go away. I'll work on it. If you have any ideas and you do not want to be compensated for them and you would like to license them for free to me in perpetuity, email them to tellingeverybodyeverything at gmail.com. You will get no credit You will not be reimbursed in any way. This is a legally binding agreement. If you email me a good prank idea, I I might, I might be able to cut you in somehow, but I can't make any guarantees. Actually, don't email me. Do not email me any prank ideas because if I accidentally receive an idea and I don't even read the email and I do have an idea that's similar, I, I just can't get sued. I'm too busy. I'm too busy for that. Kanye West has been a huge problem, hasn't he? And I almost don't know why we give him the airtime that he is getting. He, he's really, uh, I mean, he's not well. He's not well. Britney was way less unwell, I feel, and 
got her entire life taken away. And Kanye is being really limited as well. His bank have dropped him. There are lots of people who won't work with him anymore. He's lost loads of deals. And for what? Is he making sense sometimes ever? Is his dawn to school good? We don't know. You have to sign an NDA to even go there. But what's definitely over the line is when he goes online and he says, oh, it's going to be like Death Con 3 against the Jewish people. You can't, you cannot launch whatever Death Con 3 means against a minority community. But what can you do about Kanye? Like, what, what do you say? And then a lot of the Jewish community have come out and go, oh, well, why isn't everyone enraged about that? It's because, to quote David Bedil's incredible, very enlightening book, if you've not read it, Jews don't count. Well, yes, they count. Of course they count. I don't think Kanye counts at this point. He's talking absolute trash out of his ass every time we see him. So last week, Kanye has debuted his latest fashion line at Paris Fashion Week, which included a White Lives Matter shirt. This was obviously meant to be uh, incendiary. It was meant to make people talk. It was meant to be an antagonist move. And I think that's sometimes what a lot of art is. And he... He said, as an artist, I shouldn't have to explain myself. And I do agree. But then he's like, as a leader, I do have to explain myself. And again, I I agree. So sometimes Kanye makes like a little crust of sense around the loaf of absolute shit that he is talking. But it's like, who knows what he meant by that shirt? He could have meant just very literally like, every life matters, white lives also matter. Or he could have been projecting a future where you know, the minority that is oppressed is then like the white community. And it's a it's a whole new world where what if it was flipped like that amazing uh, Jordan Peele film where uh, I mean, God, what's that called? I have to Google again. It's called Us. Where some people live uh, in oppression underground and then other people live in the world. And what they actually realize is that they're Well, I don't want to spoil it. But anyway, who knows what he was trying to say with this art? He's fucking Kanye. We never know what he's trying to say. So for people to get... But the problem is with it, he makes a shirt like this. Someone who isn't rich and famous and untouchable like Kanye is. Someone who's just a regular vulnerable, like 15-year-old boy who feels like he loves Kanye's music. So he really needs this shirt. He wears a White Lives Matter shirt in his neighborhood and he could be in actual danger. You know, like this is the problem with some of these moves. He wore this same shirt to Northwest basketball game in the school sports hall. Kim sat on the row in front of Kanye, seemingly ignoring him. He also had a lengthy TV interview with Fox News host Tucker Carlson, an absolute great guy, addressing everything from his religion and his relationship with late fashion designer Virgil Abloh to his anti-abortion stance and his political aspirations as well as media manipulation of body positivity and his respect for some people who I think might be trash. He had a public falling out with Puff Daddy, Justin Bieber, and Gigi Hadid. His Twitter and Instagram accounts were locked briefly because of the aforementioned anti-Semitism. Kanye says the media are silencing him by labeling him as crazy and therefore diminishing his point of view. This is such a kettle of fish. It's sort of like... I do think he's unwell, and I think he has spoken very publicly about having 
issues with bipolar and everything else. And what's annoying about calling him crazy is that I know lots of people who have mental health issues and they have bipolar and they are not causing harm. You know, they're not doing things like this. So I think that's the danger when you just go, oh, well, so-and-so is crazy. It's like, well, no, because lots of people struggle with mental health things and they're not causing harm. I think Connie seems to be on a trajectory of just incitement of arguments. He seems to be just a professional wind-up merchant at the minute trying to get reactions. And that I guess this is what celebrities do is they just try to get a reaction any way they can. But he's trying all the ways all at once. And I'm not really clear on exactly how I feel about every single thing that he said. But what I am clear on is I wake up every day and thank God that he's not the father of my children and my ex-husband, because imagine having a deal with that across the street. Oh, also, that was huge news for women and everyone else, mostly women and gays, like most good news. Not that it's good news, but Dame Angela Lansbury died in her sleep at age 97. And I love that for her. That is the way to go. I feel like if you're going to do death, do it properly. I want to die in my sleep at age 97. That's living the absolute dream. You know her from Murder, She Wrote, but she did so much more. She was born in 1925, one of the last surviving stars of the golden age of Hollywood cinema. Her career spanned eight decades. She won six Tonys, six Golden Globes, an honorary Oscar. I'm sad, sad to see her go. But when you nail a life like that, do you know what I read about her that absolutely blew me away? Didn't know this about Angela Lands. She had, obviously, she was hugely famous in L.A., and she had a teenage daughter who got caught up with none other than Charles Manson. And she fell into the wrong crowd, obviously, and he was convincing her to, like, steal from her parents and send him money and food and do all these things for him. And Angela Lansbury, like I would do as a mom, I hope, was like, nah, fuck this. I don't like it didn't just like forbid her daughter from seeing him or send her daughter to a therapist to be like, oh, I need to really convince my daughter to step away from this man. No, she moved her entire family to Ireland. So Violet, if you're listening, there are some Charles Manson types out there. We all know them. If you dare to hang out with these types of scoundrels, we're moving to Ireland. I mean, a scoundrel's paradise, arguably. It's where my dad's from. But I mean, good for her. Like, get your child out of L.A. Oh, I can't imagine raising kids in L.A. But what a dame. What a woman. And then I read also, and this is like, you know, I feel like today's episode is full of quite salacious gossip about people who might be pricks. But apparently Bill Murray might be a prick. Bill Murray? Now, the only thing that makes this conceivable to me is that I know a lot of the old school, very talented male comedians, even in this country, have an air of, let's call it entitlement. I'm sure this is true, you know, and tenfold stronger in America, where they were even more famous because there was a certain time in television and film when if you like ruled the roost, the red carpet was rolled out for you, you know, and you get this level of privilege and expectation and genius where you're just revered once again. And then in today's world, your behavior is alien to people and people are like, 
why is that guy such a prick? But I mean, it really hurt me to read this. I think a lot of people will be sad to think that even Bill Murray might be a bit of a prick. So this is the accusation. He has allegedly been awful actually to both men and women. So that's very refreshing. He's not a creep or a pedo or predator. It's just that um, Aziz Ansari, speaking of, um, had a directorial debut, but it was shut down apparently by Searchlight because of a complaint about Murray. According to this report, he kissed and straddled a young female member of staff as a joke. Who knows what happened? Like, I don't know. I don't know what kind of joke. I wasn't there. But apparently this joke cost him 10, no, $100,000 to silence her. So whatever happened, apparently she was paid off. But since then, because that came out of absolutely nowhere and people were like, what? Bill Murray? No way. But since then, multiple people have told their stories. Seth Green says he was nine years old. He had a one-off role in SNL. Bill made a big deal that Seth was sitting in his seat in the green room. Seth refused to move. <laughs> what an First of all, Seth Green, who the fuck are you? A nine-year-old child actor who's like, no. Like, whatever Bill did next, I'm on board with. Um, Seth refused to move, so Bill picked him up by the ankles and dangled him over the bin. Perfect. Perfect. If a nine-year-old child actor is sat in my seat, I only pray that that day I have grown the balls to dangle that child over a bin. We don't dangle enough kids by their ankles over bins, especially child actors anymore. Seth flailed his arms trying to get free and he hit Bill in the balls. Bill dropped him into the bin and rubbish flew everywhere. Seth ran off, hid under a table and cried. Seth said Eddie Murphy comforted him and said, everyone knows Bill is a dick. That's a great story, but also... Seth Green, you're a dick. You're a nine-year-old dick. At least Bill Murray has earned the right to be a dick. No nine-year-old should ever refuse to get out of an adult star's or no star's seat. Get the fuck up. Young, strong legs. All right. And then film producer Laura Ziskin said Bill threatened to throw her across a car park. He didn't throw her in the end, but he did break her sunglasses in front of her and throw them across the car park which I feel is less serious, but still quite menacing. Gina Davis said that while meeting Bill in a hotel suite to discuss a role, Bill pressured Gina into letting him give her a massage. What? She wishes she had walked out or stood up for herself, but she knew that if she did, she wouldn't get the part. Tale as old as time. She did get the role, and he was horrible to her during all of filming, including a time he screamed at her in front of 300 people when a wardrobe issue made her slightly late. Richard Dreyfus said after a dinner while they were filming a movie together, Bill screamed at him, no one likes you here. You are tolerated. And then <laughs> threw a glass ashtray at Richard's face, but missed. He then tried to punch Richard, but missed again. So Richard left. I don't know. No one likes you here. You are tolerated. Like th- some of these things about Bill Murray I like. That's a decent quote. No one likes you here. You are tolerated. You know what, Bill Murray, I hate to say it, all of this behavior is sounding very comedian, very comedian. I have some little anecdotes where male comedians have said similar things to, no one likes you here, you are tolerated, but somehow they do it with like charm and pizzazz at a dinner party, and it's actually like quite funny, and also 
comedians are very old school ones anyway, are very, very particular about chairs. And because it was a boys club for so long, I remember in Canada, for example, the headliner would always sit in the front passenger seat and the support act would drive and then the opens would have to go in the back or the middles or whatever. Like that was a rule. And then when you go to the comedy store in Los Angeles, they have special chairs, which is so fucking lame, but whatever. They have special chairs for headliners only. And I accidentally sat in one of these chairs one time and was told to move. And it's like, what? Like these chairs are not even different to the other chairs, but apparently that's a rule. And all this stuff is like um, very boys clubby, just part of the institution of comedy for some reason. And I'm not saying that it makes it right. What I'm saying is it really helps me to believe these terrible accusations. Okay, another one. Lucy Liu said that while they were filming Charlie's Angels, Bill would throw insults at her. She did not go into the details of what he said. But she said some of the language was inexcusable and unacceptable, and I was not just going to sit there and take it. She said she has nothing against him, who's been perfectly nice to her for the rest of filming after she stood up to him. Well, damn. Well, Bill Murray, look, I guess you got nothing to lose here. I'm on your side for half these. But maybe, you know, it's 2022. Like, I was an asshole in high school because we had 90s noughties like teen films and it was cool to be a bitch you know we had so many like mean girls was just the beginning we had the heathers we had never been kissed the cool girls were bitchy all these like makeover films there was a bitchy cool girl and then times have changed and now luckily thankfully it's cool to be nice so you know Drop the I'm the coolest comedian ever. I'm like such a legend mean guy act. And you're going to just have to be nice. And if you know people really well and they're your friends and they get your sense of humor, then be a prick to them. But you can't just like go randomly doing it to Lucy Liu and people like that. No, no, no. I'm glad she stood up to him. Good for her. Yeah, some of these guys can be like curmudgeonly to say the very least. Never with me, though but I have seen and heard about it. Oh, well. One last thing I have to tell you before the break is that I have seen a trend where people are bleaching their eyebrows again. Since the Met Gala, I am seeing so many bleached eyebrows. Lady Gaga, Madonna, Kendall Jenner bleached her eyebrows, one of the Hadids, and I'm here to tell you that it is not acceptable. It is not okay to bleach your eyebrows. Don't do this. You think it's a cool look. It is not. Most of us do not have the bone structure to pull off something so drastic. Just think to yourself, you've been fooled by a model in a fringe before. And it hasn't worked for your face, has it? You need eyebrows. I'm so passionate about eyebrows. You need eyebrows to frame your face. Bleaching them is an act against God. It does not work for 99% of the population. So if you want to roll the dice and have the audacity to think that you are that 1% of the population who can pull off no eyebrows, Godspeed. But I'm warning you, I am warning you that it's trouble. It's trouble and it's not acceptable. And I cannot believe I'm seeing it in magazines now because it is a very dangerous precedent. Keep your eyebrows. I plucked all my eyebrows out when I was a teenager 
because it was really cool to have this thin, thin line. Go look back at those like heroin chic 90s pictures of people's eyebrows now. Some eyebrows have never recovered. And that is where the industry of eyebrow tattoo comes from. Please don't do this. Do not. All right. Think about what I've said. Meaningful, meaningful warnings here. We're going to listen to some words from our sponsors. And when we return, I will open your letters and give you some sage advice. If you want to write me a letter and you've not done that, or you have, but I didn't read it and you have a new problem or something else to tell me, the address is telling everybody everything at gmail.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ooh, first, a little quick one. Happy to help. Catherine, I've listened to your podcast since January, and I remember you saying something that helped reduce varicose veins. I'm 26 and a full-time A&E nurse and a mom to a nine-year-old and 12-month-old, so I do not have time to go through your podcast again and listen to every single one to find out what it was. I'm sure it was the vitamin. Please help me out. Mine are becoming really noticeable since going back to work. Carrie told me about this, my sister, and it is uh, something that is apparently proven to reduce varicose veins. I did not have that problem. I had one single hemorrhoid for like... I don't know. I mean, look, it was after I got the vaccine. Not saying that. No, I don't know. I was pregnant. But anyway, it's horse chestnut. And that's just like a supplement you can get from anywhere. And Carrie says it makes loads of veins and or piles, if you have them, completely disappear. And I just had this small problem briefly and it completely disappeared and it never came back. So there you go. Oh, this is a really good follow up to my podcast last week. So this girl said, just listening about Louis C.K. being a surprise act at Top Secret Comedy Club. Thought you'd be interested to know they emailed their mailing list announcing him to be the secret act on the day of the show. So everyone there knew that it would be him. I thought you'd be reassured to know that the comedy clubs are doing their bit. First of all, no, not everyone there knew it would be him. Everyone on the mailing list who turned up knew it would be him. But there are loads of walk-ups and people who go to comedy clubs who are not on the mailing list, I'm glad you knew who would be there, but that does not guarantee that everyone in the comedy club knew, though it is a decent effort. Oh, love this. Catherine, I am a comedian, and I'm emceeing a big corporate evening coming up. The question I can't ever seem to solve is, what do you wear? Isn't it so funny? And like, look, it's okay to love clothes and to wonder about what to wear. 
But if men who hate female comedians could imagine that what we email each other about is like, but what should I wear? Like it seems very trivial and stupid, but it is something that we have to consider. Any performer on stage really has to consider what they wear. And the truth is the boys, for the most part, for a long time, most of them definitely didn't consider what they wear. And I love seeing now that it's not just Jimmy Carr who looks amazing on stage. Joel Domit has pulled out like this whole amazing colorful suit aesthetic. Is it Tom Sweeney doing suits? I forget who it is. He's got like an incredible suit designer. Uh, when Joel does the mask singer and the mask dancer, and when he hosts the NTAs, he was in Gucci this year. Like, yes, the boys are dressing up now, and I love to see it. Okay, back to you. First, what do you think is the appropriate way to dress as an MC, i.e., not a performer, not a guest, not the star of the show? The event is quite a big show and a gala evening. Then, this is more of a complaint than a question, what bothers me is that if I were a man, I would wear the same suit I wear to every other event, which would be the same suit I wore to my wedding and my bar mitzvah, whereas as a female MC, I cannot keep wearing the same dress or outfit, and this means I have to spend money on every new event. Since it's formal, it's never a small amount of money on, say, a new top or a pair of pants, it actually is a huge expense. All right, so... You can wear the same gown because a big corporate event for uh, a broadcasting company is going to have a completely different guest list and not be televised to a corporate event for, you know, a construction awards. I had gowns that I would recycle for some of these events. By recycle, I mean, you know, wear more than once like a normal, sustainable, ethical person. And I think it is wise to make a few investments. Those are tax deductible, by the way, because you're wearing them to perform at work. That's your job. And if you're not like plastering it all over the gram or if it's not going on TV, of course you can rotate like three amazing dresses or pantsuit looks. Um, back to what do you think is the appropriate way to dress as an MC? It absolutely depends on the event, on the venue. Let's say I was hosting a big gala dinner at the Grosvenor Hotel in London. I feel like I remember their capacity is the biggest in London, uh, sort of like 1,200 or 1,800 maybe. I could have that wrong, but you know, it's serious and it's a beautiful, well, it's not my favorite hotel, but the ballroom is really nice and they do big events there. I don't think about what other people are wearing, really. I think about the setting, and I think about the level of glam that, you know, the overall event commands. And I don't mind being the best-dressed person in the world, in the room. I wouldn't dress maybe like a fairy princess or wear like a wedding dress, but I would definitely be looking like I belonged there, and I would wear something very glam for that event because it's not about the people because some people are going to come in like tights and quite a simple black dress and other people are going to be really glam you don't have to worry about upstaging anyone or anyone else it's like you are delivering a service to those attendees at the corporate event they are paying for you to look beautiful just like they're paying for the amazing 
food that the chef is preparing for this event and the amazing chandeliers and for the music. Do you know what I mean? You're part of that setting. So I would dress up as comfortably as you feel suits like your thing. Do not have maybe your boobs out too much because it is a corporate setting. Um, You can be glam, but not be like half naked. Do you know what I mean? Be aspirational, upscale. You set the tone for this very glamorous event and you need to look like you are worth the money they're spending and then they will spend it again. Good luck. Oh no, Catherine, freezing my eggs is too expensive. So what do I do now? I love my boyfriend, but he is 90% sure he doesn't want kids, whilst I am 90% sure I do in the long run. Other than this, we have the most perfect relationship. My question is, do I leave now or later? We're both 27, planning to buy a property next year and then go traveling for seven months. I'm hoping getting this out of his system will allow him to satisfy the freedom aspect he talks about, not saying he doesn't want kids, but I don't know if I'm just waiting for the inevitable. He has also said he's never wanted them and he does not see how they would benefit his life. Whoa. I mean, all right. It's on my mind constantly and I feel like I'm half in mentally to this relationship. Half in mentally to this, in this relationship. Oh, you know what? I'm like, you're only half invested in the relationship. We've talked about it a lot. And he said, if he knew 100% he didn't want them, then he would tell me. As he loves me so much, he wouldn't want me to be with him and not fulfill my true wants. I'm just not 100% able to fully relax into seeing us as forever. As I feel this burden that in a few years, we'll just break up anyway. I know you'll say he's not perfect if this box isn't ticked. No, I won't say that. But I seriously love him and everything else is perfect. So is waiting until 30 then giving an ultimatum a good idea? Or am I wasting years that I could be with someone with all the things that we want in life in common? Well, you're 27. So I mean, you need to relax. I understand that when someone makes a deal breaker very clear, then the instinct is to run and to go, well, hang on, you don't want kids? How do I know this is going to change? I feel like at your age, if you can't afford to freeze your eggs, that's fine because you don't have to freeze your eggs for 10 more years, probably. But uh, 10 more, a decade, you have been alive now less than three decades. So don't worry, you have loads of time. I think there are a lot of people who don't know they want kids until they want them. And there are some people who go, no, 100% not for me, but 90%. Like leaving a 10% window that you might want kids when you're a 27-year-old man is a pretty big window. Um, I think a lot of 27-year-old guys, heteronormative, whatever you want to call them, guys, would be like, yeah, I probably want kids one day, not now. And a lot of them never end up settling down or wanting to have kids. You know, they just think, oh, yeah, sure. So I think it's at least very realistic and very honest for a 27-year-old man right now to go, no, I, I don't think I want them because he can't see past the end of his nose. Do you know what I mean? No offense, but he's like, I don't have money. I can't see how I'll ever own a house and we're in an energy crisis and I want to go traveling and la, 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 la. You know, he's he's thinking about the next five years as the rest of his life. So I think really what he's saying to you when he goes, I 90% don't want them means like, I definitely don't want them in the next five years. And um, 
Oh, God. I just don't think that you should break up with someone who's perfect for you right now unless you absolutely want to have these kids right now. I think just relax. It doesn't really say how long you've been together. No, it doesn't say how long you've been together for. I would chill out and don't even think of this. I feel like, you know, I had a baby when I was 24, almost 25. And then I started having babies again when I was like, what, 37, almost 38. And it was great to have Violet when I was really young, younger than you. It was awesome. We grew up together. In a way, I had a special life experience as a single mom that not everyone gets to have. And when I talk about how wonderful that time was, I'm not exaggerating. I loved it. It might have been some of the best years of my life. But I'm, you know, in a position now where I have so many more resources to have babies. I have support. I have a partner that I love very much. He wanted kids desperately and still wants them. You know what I mean? It was, it was... I think when you're 27, you think 40 is really old. Well, Bobby and I will be 40 next year, and it's not really old. So just enjoy yourself. Don't bring this up again unless it is a pressing issue for you right now. What's important is that he's leaving the door open. He's not saying he doesn't ever want them. He's saying 90%. And that is because, you know, the future is very short to him right now. Oh, my Lord. Speaking of science, listen to this. A 58-year-old mother of a toddler is driving me insane. Catherine, I'm a 28-year-old female who babysits a 3-year-old a couple days a week. The kid's mom is 58, and she had this child herself. She's a single mom by choice and used a sperm donor and IVF to have him. It's my observation that this woman had this child simply because of the fact that she was lonely and wanted to have someone who needed her and wanted her more than anything. I understand that feeling, but I don't think this is the best reason to have a child by yourself. I have come to this conclusion because of her actions and what she says. One day, she expressed concern that her child wasn't making eye contact with her. And when I told her I didn't think that was a mental issue, just that he was two at the time and it's hard for him to focus, she said, yes, but I really need that connection from him for myself. I held myself back from saying, well, sorry, this is a living, breathing human child, not your personal go-to for love and affection. The child also doesn't get enough sleep most of the time because his mom doesn't want him to go to sleep too early or he'll get up too early for her. She has constant issues with making him brush his teeth or take a bath because she won't take a stand and actually discipline him. So I'm the only one he will do these tasks calmly for because he knows I won't take no for an answer. I don't raise my voice or anything, but I don't back down. I'm very firm when he starts to cry because he doesn't want to do something. Many other instances have happened. But to wrap it up, I'm worried about this child. I know I'm not his mom and being a single mom is hard and no one's perfect. But is it too out of line if I tell her that I think it's a little selfish to try to live vicariously through her child and not actually give him what he needs to be a decent human being in the future? I really care about the kid and I just want the best for him or I wouldn't even be thinking all of this. Thanks so much. Yes, employee. It is extraordinarily out of line for you to say to the mother of your charge, which is what he is to you, his paid babysitter, that you think she is selfish to try to live vicariously through her child. And not actually give him what he needs to be a decent human being. 
Do you have any idea how many parents, 19 years old, 25 years old, 35 years old, 45 years old, and apparently 58 years old, had babies for selfish reasons, don't look after them the way I would maybe, or the way I think that a baby should be parented. And overall, unless they ask me for help, it is none of my fucking business. And if it were, I would go around shoulder tapping people in the street, at the soft play, at the cafe, at the park, being like, excuse me, but we can't do that. And I think I understand that you love him and this woman is not raising him the way that you would be raising him. But like, he isn't your son and they will figure it out. And there are children who are in far worse predicaments than this boy. If a mom indulging her son in like, you know, not enough discipline and late nights up with her so that they can sleep in and, you know, like that is, I hate to tell you, not the worst parenting that exists out there. Yes, you might find it self-indulgent and all these other things, but like, you know, no, it's just not your place. You work for this woman. She's your boss. It's your job. Just take him out of her hands for a couple days a week. And if it's too heartbreaking for you and you don't like the way he's being raised and you don't think you're a good fit for the family, then you need to move on and work with a family whose parenting style like perfectly matches yours. You know, you could gently maybe if you think it's right, lead by example and be like, oh, do you know, I find he brushes his teeth when I'm more firm with him. Do you find that or I don't I don't know. Basically, it's not your business. He's not in danger. Um, I'm sorry, but no, you can't. <laughs> you just can't. No, no. Trigger warning. Well, not really a trigger warning. I don't know why I said that. This is just about oral sex. Catherine, I love your show. It's taught me a lot about respecting myself and focusing on what I need and want instead of worrying about others think about me. Good. That is the aim of what I do. It truly is. I'm glad that you take that away from it. People think sometimes that I'm like stomping around acting like an asshole. No, it's because I am aware that only a fraction of that confidence is going to rub off. So I have to bring it full balls to the walls. And I want you to always walk away from my work, my podcast, my book, my shows, feeling a little bit better about yourself every time because you deserve it. And if you feel good about yourself, wonderful things, opportunities, blessings, and people will be attracted to your energy and they will come into your life. Anyway, I need your advice. I have been happily unmarried throughout my 20s and early 30s. Now I'm 35. I've dated interesting men and women, and I've had fantastic casual sex with people I could never date, but who are so good in bed, especially the younger ones. Ooh. I recently met a man whom I adore. He matches my humor and my nerdiness. He's kind and intelligent. He's loving. The point is, he's exactly the kind of man I want to date and have been looking to date for ages. However, uh-oh, he does not go down on me. I've asked him to, but he kind of just does it reluctantly. Once he said he doesn't really know what he's doing, I sent him my login details to the website, Oh My God Yes, to explore. What? What is Oh My God Yes? But he just shows no interest. Oh, I'm desperate. What should I do? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to Oh My God Yes. 
Oh my God, yes. What is that? Website. Well, I don't have a login for it. Can you send me the science of women's pleasure? What? This is not an ad, by the way. Oh my God, yes. You'll explore these practical pleasure techniques. Many didn't even have names before our research. What the fuck? I have my own working vagina and I don't know what any of this is. Okay. Click to see all techniques. Holy shit. Oh my God. This is too much. Okay. So they have essential techniques, inner pleasure techniques, toy techniques. What is this? Signaling. Styles of guiding and feedback. What's that? Hinting, teasing, and only sometimes indulging. Okay, I got that. Rhythm, pattern loops of motion. Layering, touch through surrounding skin. Surprise, ways of keeping touch unexpected. Framing, ways pleasure is between the ears. What does that mean? Ways pleasure is between the ears. You can give a login to this website as a gift, which is a very passive-aggressive gift. Um, edging? Oh, approaching and withholding. I know that. Consistency? Squirting? Building to an emotional release. Deep end? Pleasure in the far reaches. What the hell? All right, so it says, It is for anyone who cares about women's pleasure and wants to explore the latest science. Women, men, and couples. Oh My God Yes is a website, not an app. So it works in the browser of your smartphone, tablet, or computer. What the fuck? Um, okay. Whoa. Oh, one of the questions. Who died and made you the experts on this stuff? Gosh, we really hope nobody died. We're not claiming to be experts. We believe that the collective wisdom of thousands is stronger than any one person's opinion. We are, however, the first and only ones conducting large-scale, nationally representative representative scientific research about the specifics of touch and sexual pleasure the techniques on the site come directly from this research with over twenty thousand women buy it once keep it for life access anytime forever and they have social media too they have an instagram twitter i'm sure they can't put this kind of stuff flexing activating muscles for more pleasure look i don't have time for this I'll tell you this not an ad and I'll prove it by saying I am not interested in the science of women's pleasure. No, I just can't be doing with all these, like, who's got the time? But I'm glad you like it. All right. Sorry. I got really distracted by the website. If, uh, okay. What I want is a website like this, though, for myself. Because it has been hinted to me, and I've said it before on the podcast before, that... Bobby, <laughs> I don't know what, to, I don't know. Like, I don't think I was, his mom listens to the podcast. That's not my problem. Tracy, you can turn it off now. Three, two. Okay, if you're still here, it's your own fault. Bobby, early day, not early days, midway in, pre-post-marriage, I think. He said something like in passing, maybe as a joke about how I don't do loads with balls and I was like huh it's because I didn't know what you're supposed to do with balls I don't know what to do with balls and I don't feel like there's a resource for what to do with them and then I asked you know women have these resources of like gay male friends who again 
they like do things to male genitalia and they own male genitalia. So that's why I feel like they're a good resource. And one of my friends was telling me like all about balls and how you need to do this and that and do all these things to balls before you even like touch the shaft. Just sounded like a whole lot of like hoopla. So then I started doing things to balls like in my own way. (laughs) And there were no complaints after that. Not that it was an initial complaint, but he was like, then I'd be like, well, just tell me exactly what to do to balls. And he was like, no, you're doing great. I just wanted you to do something. And I was like, what? Well, what? And then I tried to look online. I tried to research. Seems to be fine. And he's never brought it up again. And every time I'm like, you know, I could really use some like direct advice about balls. No, I don't get it. He's just like, no, you're great. And um, I just, I guess I've been meaning to really deep dive into this ball research and find out exactly what I'm doing about balls but when I did that in the podcast one time someone wrote me a letter about slapping balls and like that's very controversial it's like marmite some people are going to want you slap their balls I brought it up with Bobby he was like please don't ever slap my balls so you know it's all trial and error but I will say that I I think your partner could genuinely be telling you the truth when he says it's a lack of confidence about going down on you like he just maybe just really doesn't know how, why he has not used your login to access this website. I don't know. Like maybe there's too much information or he's worried that even if he studies it up, he's going to look stupid or feel stupid. I don't, I think that, I don't know. Like some people just aren't going to like it and you might not be a match sexually, which is sad for you because you really like him in all these other ways and you have so much experience having like the kind of sex that you've wanted to have in your life. So you just need to decide, I guess, if uh, you want to do one of three things. Um, Talk to him about it. Tell him like in an affirming way that doesn't make him embarrassed, like exactly what you want him to do. If you know exactly what you want him to do and then give him like loads of praise and he'll hopefully want to do it more. Or... um continue and say nothing and just have a relationship where no one goes down on you and then you're gonna have to learn to live with it because you love all these other things about him or pack it in and leave depending on how important this is to you but speaking from personal experience I do believe that he's just a bit shy and like doesn't really know exactly what to do I think I've solved my ball problem And then I think I also told you guys that one of my gay friends told me rimming is very important. I've not gotten to that yet. And he told me that probably 10 months ago and I've been meaning to get to it. But um, if you have any advice in the world of balls or rimming, please write me a letter telling everybody everything at gmail.com. I am looking heavily to the gay community for this. And I will share that next week. What a way to end. I mean, God, we went from all over the place maternity exemption fines prescriptions nhs people who might be pricks kanye and now this so it's a whirlwind this podcast you just never know what's going to be happening in my week i'll see you next week hopefully with some exciting info on rimming and balls please look after each other good night
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.